So I'm not quite sure how TRN have put us together because obviously I'm, I'm parent, used to doing yeah. all my nonsense on LinkedIn and I'm an absolute child and they've got yourself who's a real adult here, Sam. Um, but it should make for an interesting conversation about recruitment. Um, <laughs> I think I think you're probably, like I say, you're the adult in the room. So so I'm, I'm interested I how, how I should be running my business. But I think one of the things they wanted us to talk about were the key challenges that we've both seen over the last 12 to 18 months. And maybe we'll find over the course of this, we're not as different as I think we are. <laughs> uh, and maybe I've encountered some of the same challenges. You'll have just dealt with them probably better. But um, what's your view? What have you found? Well, I think 18 months ago, we were still navigating the world of COVID. Um, forced us to kind of make, you know, change the way that we work. Some better, some for worse, depending on what your, what your opinion is. And I think like now we're kind of really seeing what ways of working, what's happening in the world is, you know, what's here, what's here to stay and what's not. So I think, I think one of the things that people tend, talking about COVID almost seems like a taboo subject. It's like the word Voldemort. You're not allowed to say COVID anymore. Uh, and, and I think, I think you're right. I think for me, exactly that. It's almost during COVID, we went from most companies, not all, being in the office and the pendulum was here, all the, everyone in the office. And it swung completely the other way to no one's in the office. And the last 12 to 18 months, it seems to have done this flip-flopping as to what suits employees and not just the employees of the recruitment companies, the candidates we're, we're working with and what actually suits the employer. And I think that for me has been the biggest challenge of especially the clients we work with. And I, I don't know, do you, do you yeah, kind of, the I, lag of COVID is, is, is having an effect and has done. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, as as a business, I'm I'm much more candidate focused here at Alexa. So, you know, for candidates, I think the big focus for them is like the culture and attitude that they have towards businesses. Like every, every conversation I'm having every single day is around the approach to what flexibility a business has, what hybrid working there is, what ability there is to remote, you know, work remotely, work like. What kind of level are these candidates, Sam? We we tend to recruit from like 40, 50k um up to up to director. Director. So you kind of mid and senior end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that's very much the expectation is how does this job fit around my life? Exactly. Not the other way around, which is yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is what and it I, used to be. And I guess kind of what we're seeing is companies that offer that are are, are, are winning in the recruitment game. Let, like the less flexible companies are, the, the harder they're finding it, I think. I agree to a point. And I think we've had a really interesting situation here at, at our company. So I had someone approach me who I knew is a friend of my son, a 21 year old guy. And funnily enough, I managed him in his football team and he still wanted to come and work with me, which surprised me because I shouted at him every Sunday for an hour and a half. Um, but he'd been offered a job in a recruitment company where everyone was 100 percent remote. And he came and sat here in my office to see what goes on in a recruitment company. I'm not sure, again, if we're a great example. But he said, I want to be somewhere where I can hear what they're, they're saying and see what they're doing. And I want them to do the same with me. I want them to hear me and coach me. And he didn't want a job that had any element of remote. And again, it's it's a balancing act because I think most employers, if you look at the remote work from home or remote working balance, I think, and correct me if you disagree, I think most employers would like to see employees in the office a Absolutely. bit more. Yeah, and yeah, most yeah, employees yeah. or job seekers want to be completely basing a job around their life. And there's almost, I think we're now finding that pendulum isn't sitting in the same place for 
for job seekers and employers as, as it's a real generalization but we're having real struggles because candidates are saying exactly what you're saying but employers are saying well and especially look the situation i've given and, and our trainee is also called sam just to complicate this this call a little more but the situation we're seeing with him is people like that need to be in the office for me to train him effectively or for us to train him effectively i, I think to yeah, get a culture really of a company and really, especially for like you know people of a younger age like yeah they, they, they want to be around but they don't they don't want to be stuck in their flat on their own while all their all their mates are out of work as well they, they want to be around people i get it you know it's, it's much harder to get the I don't know, again, tell me if you find this, but the culture of a company, if you work remotely and you're bringing new people in, it's fine for people who are already in the business. Yeah, yeah. But when you bring new people in to get that culture aligned is much harder if it's a, a fully remote basis. I don't know. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it'd be, it's really hard. Really hard. And what else? What other challenges? Because I'm sure we'll loop back to some of this, but yeah, what other challenges? For me, um, or there's more changes, isn't it? I think that was the question. What key changes have we seen? Um, I think, um, yeah, like again, like from a client perspective, um, I mean, when I first started working at Friedman, you know, it was all about having FaceTime with clients and, and candidates, whereas again, like tech has allowed that to, um, you know, there's been that big, that big change, that big shift. So while I think like FaceTime is still important, you know, just being able to nip on a quick Teams call, video call with a client is, is completely normal now. Whereas... Do you mean FaceTime as in actually pressing the flesh and going to sit with someone yeah, and looking the words yeah, in their yeah, eyes? Yeah. I think it's really, really important to, to still have that. But I guess there's more contact over video now than, than ever, ever before. We're, we're actually setting internal targets to go out and to, to meet people. We're, yeah. we, we're not a KPI-driven business at all. And I think that's... 20 years or whatever it was of being in, working at you know Hayes a, a corporate and then another business where it was all very KPI driven I've kind of pushed against it but one of the things we are measuring is are we getting out and meeting people and talking to them and really getting under the skin and of what their challenges are and how we can help them and it's it is easier to do if you, you now we took in an instruction yesterday where the 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 CFO showed us around the company and we got a feel for what they did. You can't replicate that on a, on a video call. You yeah. can't then pass that on to the candidates as effectively if you've you've had a video like call to get the instruction. But again, I, I think you're right. That has been a, a challenge actually going out to meet people, whether they're job seekers or, or recruiters. Yeah. How, how, have you, how have you found the market? Because I think for us, that's been one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, last year was just absolutely crazy. We were so busy. Um, so I don't know whether that was the same for you, but that seemed to be like a bit of a, a bit of a theme. We've over the last three or four months, we have seen it. We have seen it drop off. So we, we recruit an FMCG. So fast moving consumer goods for those that don't know what that means. So anything you see on a shelf in a package. I've always wondered what that meant. I've only done this for 25 years. <laughs> so I can pretend I know. <laughs> I um, often get to that stage with clients where I think, can I ask what that means? And I've got this kind of very natural way where when I don't know something, it's obvious, but actually I, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have, we, we've seen, we, the last three or four months has been difficult. Like we've, we've seen a big drop, um, but I kind of, I'm kind of hoping that's going to change. We're starting to see green sheets, you know, in the market, we're, we're getting a bit more busy, but, um, but yeah, we've, we've certainly seen it slow down. How about you? I, I think I've spoken, 
about 50% of our work is supporting other recruitment companies. So we find senior finance people for growth recruitment companies who don't have a, a finance division. So I'm talking to loads of other recruitment business owners, CFOs, HR directors, and, and MD CEOs, as well as obviously through TRN, you know, we speak to and, and talk to kind of dozens of, of other recruitment businesses. And there's been a massive, massive or very noticeable kind of feast and famine type thing. Yep. Where last year it was almost, if you're not making money, you're doing something very, very wrong. You're not having a good time at the market. Then, then you're doing something wrong. And interestingly, last week I went to see three CFOs of growth recruitment companies. And all of them said the same thing, but one guy summed it up exactly as we found it. December, we're used to it going quiet mid-December. Decision makers are away, people are switching off, kicking the can down the road. We'll deal with that in January. Just for no reason other than people do that, right? December went quiet really early at the end of the first week of December, as opposed to mid-December. And we thought, oh, that'll be fine because it'll pick up in January. It always does. Historically, look at the yeah, stats. Yeah. Double bubble in January. And there was a really weird feeling when we came back in January. Things didn't, I know we came back on, I think it was a Tuesday, but things didn't get going. You think, oh, well, it, it'll be next week. And nothing got going in January or February or March or April. And I think you're right. There is a little bit more business coming through. But that for us has been the biggest challenge. It's the, it's the, Zero, like hero to zero type feeling of having we're, we're very fortunate in that a lot of business comes to us from relationships and networks and people contact us mm. but we made a a change very early in in late december early january to actually be a you know a little bit more hunter gatherer um and so we are seeing green shoots come through but i think it's from what we're doing not the market mm -hmm. i don't know does that does that yeah, kind yeah, of experience no, sit with with you yeah, yeah i'd agree i'd agree well, we're hearing it from everyone sam we're hearing it from uh, James will kill us because we've got to be optimistic and we've got to be positive and we've got to say the market's turning and are we doing the right no, thing? I, have, I, have. I mean, in terms of like the next you know, 12 to 18 months, I think I think it is going to return to some kind of normality. I do. I do. I do think that um, we we one of the companies I went to see last week so talking to these CFOs. Last year, they went from 40 sales heads, 40 consultants to 100. And in January, they cut that back to 80 and they're just about to go back to 60. Mm -hmm. And then the next chap that I went to see said kind of the same percentages. And then on Tuesday, whatever it was, if I saw them on, I think I saw them Tuesday. On the Wednesday, I got a call from a very good client of mine saying, ah, you might be getting a call from the CFO you placed with us because we're, we're actually going to cut our finance function. We're going to outsource it. We're losing our offices. We're, we're scaling back. because. So I think what, you're, what we're talking about, for me, that's almost been the biggest challenge. Of the last 12 to 18 months and i think that also ties into the next thing we were going to talk about which is the next 12 to 18 months but you you how long do you reckon the, the and look it depends on sector it depends on what exactly, your company it does it depends on the market absolutely absolutely i mean we're, we're we are seeing i think the thing is with our sector you know there's the whole like cost of living crisis that we're going through. Consumers are spending less. That's having an impact on decisions that our clients are making, hiring decisions that they're, they're making. So they, I kind of feel like they've hit the pause button with, um, with, with, with like a lot of the businesses that we're working. Yeah, we're seeing that decisions I, aren't being made. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that it is, it is, it is going to shift, and they, they, they are going to have to recruit. I mean, there's, there's still movement. People are still moving businesses and changing jobs. They're just not back. I'm just seeing that they're not backfilling those jobs as quickly because they're so not. Although, although James or Gordon would shoot us, 
uh, or me. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the bullet on this one. I, I heard someone recently. It was actually a, um, a TRN event about companies expanding into the US, and someone said, "Look, we're not technically in a recession, but it feels bloody recessiony." And I think, you know, I've traded probably like you, we've done this, for, we're dinosaurs of the sector, right? We've got the, the battle scars for it. But I've traded through a couple of recessions. We've all been through, as I say, not allowed to say it, but we've all been through COVID and that at least had some government support. But it does feel very recessionary and it's a sentiment thing. And, and people aren't making decisions. Personally, I think it's going to be like this for another five, four, five months until we come through the summer. Mm-hmm. But we all point, like you say, the, the cost of living crisis and all it's never been easy. It's easy to look back and think that things were great, but there's always some kind of challenge, whether it's political, economic, maybe a bit of both, or, or just uh, global pandemics as a perfect example. It's never been easy, but we're certainly tightening our belt a little bit and um, scaling back somewhat. But what else do you see being a challenge over? Because um, I'm going to listen to you, Sam, and whatever you say, <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm basing the next business decision on our strategy. Yeah, I mean, again, like you know, just I mean, you know, just from like a candidate perspective, I mean, you know, I'd say that candidates are kind of more passive than they've ever they've ever been. Yeah. You know. Um, so are you seeing a real shortage of that top talent, the A one candidates? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know what's really important for us is that you know we nurture that you know in our niche in our sector we nurture that talent pool as best we can so how do you do that how how do you keep in touch with that talent pool predominantly predominantly through like email marketing and 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 linkedin i would say um but you just need to have like you know especially if you're working with candidates you know or clients on a contingency basis you need access to those candidates really really quickly so nurturing that talent pool you know is very important for to make sure that you know, you've got enough people that are open to hearing about the opportunities that you've that, that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's one of the, the things we've we've kind of looked at about automating processes. Yeah. And whether it dehumanizes recruitment by doing things via automation. What's what's your experience? If you're nurturing your candidate markets via email marketing and LinkedIn messages, because it's impossible to pick up the phone to everyone and talk to them all. Absolutely. You just yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. it. That's what it used to be like. Yeah, when I first started recruitment, you know, my Back boss in the day, during there. the war. <laughs> <laughs> Get on the phone. Um, but no, I mean, it's complete. I mean, the way that I, I we work now or I work now is completely different to, you know, 15 years ago. Um, but in terms of the automation, we're, we're, I'm on this journey at the moment. I mean, I think it sounds like you're probably a bit further ahead or a lot further ahead than, than, than we are. Um, but yeah, it is it is predominantly through through email marketing that we. But the only the only reason we're further ahead, Sam. And by the way, I've just realised you look really healthy. It's made me look really pasty. I've just re- <laughs> damn. I should have gone on a sunbed or gone out there and caught the rays of summer, which was today and yesterday. I, I, think. I was in Portugal at the weekend, so we had some great weather. Ah, uh, how, how the big rollers. That's how you roll, my friend. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound quite as glamorous to say I was in Boreham Wood at the weekend. It's, it's, <laughs> Um, although some, for some reason, there's seagulls around, you might hear them in the background. Um, in, in terms of the automation, when I started the business about seven years ago, I started it with a mission to, to focus on how you make people feel. Mm-hmm. And we all do a similar thing. And I haven't reinvented recruitment, 
And it's something Gordon once spoke about. It's not what you do, it's how you leave people feeling. So even down to the disclaimers we put on adverts, we've tried to humanize them a little bit. But then we make sure we go back to every candidate that applies, whether they're relevant, irrelevant for the role. You know, they might have applied for something in Hertfordshire and they're in Herefordshire. So we still go back to everyone, but we've tried to automate the process without dehumanizing it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really fine balancing act. But everything we do, we're like, OK, if we're the, can- the job seeker and you're a 200K job seeker, how do you feel when you get this? And so I, I, I'll try and give a couple of specific examples. So when someone sends us their CV, invariably, they'll get a message back from us. And it's a kid in a suit holding a sign or it's a picture of us holding a sign. And it will say, hi, Sam, thanks for your CV. We're a niche consultancy. We haven't got the resources, of some of the, the consultants out there, but we will come back to you to let you know if you're you're being forward progressed or not. And obviously everyone knows there's automation in that because their name's in it and we haven't sat there and typed in their name, but it should still make it feel human. So long as we do what we say, which is go back to them. Yeah. But even going back to people, we've then got a yes, maybe a no, where the yeses are the people we speak to. There may be some we speak to and, and some we can't, because again, you might have 300 applications for a role from various sources. And the no's tend to be people who we then go back and we've got, again, a few standard responses we've written, depending on the situation, that will then say, right, and it will put their name in it and it invariably direct them to our website where we've got some help articles for people searching for a job or whatever the case might be. So we try and we try and personalise it without dehumanising it. Yeah. But it's, it's something that's, like I say, the only reason I'm one step ahead is that was the basis I put my business around is how can we go out there and show we're a consultancy that doesn't flip-flop like so many that when COVID hit, again, keep coming back to that. It's like, don't talk about it. Now talk about it all the time. But when COVID hit, all those consultancies that didn't care about their candidates started to care about candidates. Come to us for advice because that's what we're here for. And then as soon as the market picks up, they forget to go back to them. And it's that consistency, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, it doesn't, I mean, I know we live in the world of like tech and, and AI, but I think, with with recruitment, I think clients and candidates they still want that human interaction, don't they? I, I do, and I think you've touched on something there because we were going to talk about AI. I think um, that's where this was always going to go. It wasn't yeah, yeah, on yeah. our agenda, but I think both of us secretly knew. <laughs> Will technology replace our jobs, Lawrence? Over time, I know the answer to this one. But go on. <laughs> what do you think? I'll, I'll stop talking. I find it hard, but I'll, I'll stop talking for a bit. <laughs> Well, we kind of touched upon it already. Like again, the way that we, the way that I work now compared to fifteen years ago, is completely, it's completely different. I think we will see a change. I do. I think. I think again, in, in another five years' time, what we, what we're doing, is going to be. It could, it could change. Do you think there'll be a difference in people's opinion based on their age? Do you think there's? Look, I think when I got into recruitment, I had hair, fresh face, hopes, dreams. Now look at me. This, I, so, you know, I got into it in the late 90s. But I think if someone who's, take, for example, Sam, who's just joined us, who's in his early 20s, where, do you think these guys are going to have a completely different vision of, of to the effect of AI as us slightly more, as I say, battle-scarred dinosaurs of recruitment who have been through so many other changes and we've seen how that's impacted? Yeah, I mean, I think I just kind of think tech is going to replace like some of the activities or a lot of the activities that we do. I mean, I think you know the the amount of recruitment tech out there now 
is 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 pretty pretty large compared to 10, 15 years ago. It's I'm very glad now I haven't adopted it all because my overheads <laughs> would be far outstripping. You know, I wouldn't be able to afford a neon sign or, or yeah, the corporate cap. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you've got like chat, is it chat GPT as well? I mean, so, all this stuff is going to be like a massive game changer, I'm sure. But it's going to take, it's going to take time. Um, so I asked chat GPT before we did this, whether AI is going to replace people in the recruitment process. So I've, I've actually asked it, but then I went old school and printed it out. <laughs> so, um, and look, I'm, I'm convinced the answer is no, it won't replace. It will help streamline. It'll help. Whether it will drive efficiencies. Exactly. Well, that's, that's what AI said. It's almost like you are chat GPT, Sam. What, what chat GPT, GPT, I can't even yeah, say it. Always good when you work in recruitment and can't talk. Um, it said, um, whilst AI may automate aspects of the recruitment process, it's unlikely to replace the human element entirely, which I was very relieved and otherwise I wouldn't have done this. Um, but it just says recruitment's complex. It requires a human touch and there's tasks that AI currently, certainly at the moment, isn't capable of doing because there's nuances of a candidate's personality, values, work style. And if it's a human recruiting, that human has to feel comfortable and AI can't tell it what to do, but it certainly might affect the selection process and take out some biases, whether they're subconscious or unconscious bias, and help with data-driven information that help you make decisions. But I, I was thinking about this, and I don't know how many people listening to this or watching this will, will kind of be of our generation. And, and I, I like to think I'm kind of fairly up to speed. One of my sons studies computer science with AI, so this is something we've talked about for two years. Okay. And I've got four boys who are keeping me young. That's the real reason I've got no hair. Um, but I think we've gone through probably one or two of the biggest tech changes ever in the, well, certainly the in, in, introduction of the internet. What was that? 83, I think that was, early 80s, that the internet. And so you, you started recruiting, do you say late 90s? So Yeah, I started, I think it was 98. Yeah. Okay. So that was pre. Was that just, was that the internet was just around then? Was it? We you, we had we used to use mail been, merge. We used to print out CVs. We used to sign the the cover yeah. letters. We have to put on stamps. We had. To, that's how old I am, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it was very different, and a lot of people of our age, when they were looking for their first job, might have printed off their own CV and gone down the the. the to the business areas and given yeah, their CVs yeah, to yeah. I did that. Yeah, I, yeah, me too. But that was a gate, that was supposed to be a game changer. The internet, you don't need to go to libraries anymore to look stuff up. It's, it's you know, unless you want peace and quiet, which in our house, maybe I, I should get to the library more because there's never peace and quiet. But I think if we the internet was going to change everything, no one was going to be needed, it's all going to be computerized. And I think this is just today's version of we adapt, we change, we take the good bits, and it's it's that sifting process. And I know there's a lot, there's that thousand person petition that Musk and, and certain others have, have signed, but they're not going to stop it because if they, if the reputable people say we're holding back and stopping, then others will take it forward for, for other purposes. So I don't know, do you agree that we'll, we'll take the good bits and maybe yeah, it's about navigating, like you said, like sifting through what's going to work for your business and, 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 and what's, and what's not. And, yeah, but the, the human interaction is always going to be needed, I think. I, I think so. I think so. Whilst the jobs are reporting into humans, hmm. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's that empathy. It's a lot of things that 
AI certainly at the moment can't do, but I think we're still good for a job for another few years. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, th I think we might make it make it through this <laughs> without being replaced by uh, by bots. Um, <laughs> what what about diversity and inclusion? Have you seen that effect? It's becoming more of a relevant topic. Yeah, with um, with with with, uh, with our clients. Um, it's not something that we've done a lot about to, to be completely honest um yeah what, what about what about you? Have you it's it's a far hotter topic in the last again maybe that loops the complete salute back to where we started about what changes we've seen it's certainly been a hotter topic in the last 12 to 18 months um we missed out on an instruction recently where we supplied our dni process and our stats to a client and they're really good stats but we're a company of seven people and there was a much larger consultancy where the MD's written a book, a published book on diversity and inclusion. But ironically, the, the process the client went through in terms of communicating with us and some of the things they did were pretty poor. And I think diversity and inclusion is really, really important, as we all do, but looped into being communicative and putting the right ethos first and not doing it just to tick a box. It's got to be done for the right reasons. And a lot of people do that already. Do you because think they do we should be helping our clients with that yeah process then yeah, yeah. and it, it but it, it's it's a hotter topic and i think it is harder for what that taught me is it whether it's my own personal barriers or not i'm not sure but i think it is harder for an, a very small business niche business yeah, sounds yeah. better right but it's harder for a business of five six seven people to have these very clear demonstrate demonstrable demonstrable mm -hmm. you know what i'm trying to say Again, I shouldn't use long words, doesn't suit me, but it's very hard to have those clear processes and historic stats whilst also trying to run a business and tr especially in a tough market. But we know we're doing things ethically very sound, you know, in a sound fashion. And there's, you know, we make sure we eliminate bias, but it's, it's, it is definitely a topic, I think, going forwards. Yeah, the, I mean, the only experience we've had of that was, I mean, we were working on a contingency basis with a, with a client. And they basically said we can't we can't see certain candidates here because we haven't got enough diversity in the in our in our in our overall shortlist. Um, so yeah, I mean maybe maybe it's something we need to we need to kind of look into and, and address. I, th I think maybe for both of us, that's that's my takeaway is that everything's important, right? When you're sitting there and you're thinking, right, what do I do first? All those plates spinning. I actually need to put that plate up, then put myself under a bit of pressure to be able to demonstrate to clients a little bit easier what our process is and, and what the results are that, that we've had. Sam, yeah. I don't I don't know how long we've got on this because you probably know from me, I can talk about recruitment all day. I like recruitment. I love what we do. Yeah, but think about half an hour, so I think... Has it? Have we got time to talk about contingency and versus yeah, retain? I mean, I we can do yeah do you want to yeah they can only cut us off right <laughs> people who are switched off no one's listening so it's just me and you now anyway i think but <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, um, I think it's a great i think it's a great question you know um the, the whole contingency is that the one you wrote yeah <laughs> <laughs> no what, what's your view and what's your model well when we first started everything was contingency we took on everything when did you start 2015 we started right okay I would say now it's around 40% contingency, 60% exclusive or retained. We'll put them yeah. in the same, okay. know, same bracket. Um, I mean, I would love everything to be 
exclusive or retained. But there are just some clients and some roles that we recruit where the contingency solution is just just better suited. So we're very similar to you. We probably do 60% retained. I'd say probably 20% exclusive. And we tend to walk away from businesses in competition. And depending on the role and, and the reasons, you know, why it's in competition, sometimes there's justifiable reasons. But I think we're very similar. And I think the difference is what we want and what we know will make a difference to the process isn't always what the recruiting client or contact wants because they can't see the benefit and it should never feel like a sales pitch why retains better because i genuinely believe it is and i'm sure you're the same well, and, i think people... i mean it is a win-win for for, for for it genuinely is a win-win for everyone when you're on a, when you work in a retained basis we know that yeah some client i think this is like what we probably need to be better at is kind of educating our clients on on the on the benefits um yeah I, but, but there are but there are certainly like some clients that just, they're just never going to be influenced that that's they want to work on a contingency basis and that's that's what they know and they're not going to change that that's think, that's the other thing that we see as one, well. i think for me it's a trust thing and if sometimes you know a client or a client knows you a recruiting client that is because we try not to differentiate too much between our senior candidates and or, or our candidates and our recruiting clients, because you know how some agencies or consultancies will put the recruiter on a pedestal and the candidates are on a production line. And we try not to let that happen. And that comes back to building a, a, a pipeline and a relationship with the, the market. We try to stay very close to the candidates, whether we place them or not. Yeah. And, and funny enough, this interests me, but no one else. We get a third of our business from candidates who we haven't placed, but they then go on to be recruiters. And 30% of our, or just over 30% of our business comes from candidate turned client. Okay. And that's because of the emails, the follow-up, the building the community and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and what we do. With those people, when they're recruiting, because they know us, we've got a track record, they tend to trust us. And we talk about the whole difference it will make going retained. Yeah. But it is what, hard what, when someone's never level, used you. What before. level do you recruit at, salary-wise? What's the so most most of what we do is kind of, sev I would say sixty-five, seventy up to about two hundred k. You know, yeah. that, that's quite a, a wide range. But it's your mid, like you, your mid and senior end roles. We've got a, a role on at the moment, it's a little more senior. Everyone talked about pivoting in in that time. You know, back to my um, Voldemort mustn't mustn't mention COVID. Um, we started to do more of the, the kind of mid and junior recruitment, what we call the transactional side, because it's within finance functions and tends to deal with the transactions. Um, but we're selective who we do it for. So clients where we know their business and we know we can represent them well in the market and we can make a difference to the candidate pool by taking the same approach we take to the senior candidates and talking as if we're there in you know, part of their business, we take on that transactional work we're, we're now doing more of that because of the state of the market and not walking away from it automatically, um, but only where we think we can make a difference and, and work on a trust basis. And are you still working at a on a retained basis at that, lower, at that lower level? We tend to only work on a retained basis at the lower level if there's multiples of, of roles. Yeah. So for like so one say, role, okay, this is the thing, like for one, if it's just one role at a junior, more junior level, it's really not worth it. And that's where, you know, you know contingency. But it's about doing what's fair. For me, it all comes down to what's fair. That sounds like a child, right? It's unfair. But you know what I mean? If it's if it's fair for us and the recruiting client, 
then it's a win-win. And sometimes it's not going to be fair on the client paying an upfront fee for one reason or another. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. having adult conversations or sensible conversations, which for me is never easy, either to speak like an adult or, or have a you know conversation with one. But but I think generally it comes back to trust. And if you build the trust over a period of time, people know you're acting in their best interests. But it is it's tough. I mean, I think you're right. From our point of view, we will run through walls for our clients. But if you're contractually bound to fill that job, you're going to fill it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. It's one thing we've started doing, Sam. And we have, we don't do this all the time. But I've, on a few occasions, I've said, if we don't supply you a, a shortlist that you think is is a good shortlist, I'll give you your retainer back. Because I've never had to give a retainer back. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you use that as part of your sales pitch. Sometimes, yeah. not not yeah, always. Yeah. It depends. And then you've got it's a bit subjective as to whether that shortlist was deemed suitable. Uh, and we have to put out, well, if you're inviting people back for second interviews, surely you're saying they are suited. You know, we iron yeah. out the kinks. I mean, we, yeah, we've, sometimes. we've always, we've not failed to fill a retainer. The only time we yep. haven't filled a retainer is when the client has pulled, has pulled the job. For one reason or another, you know, rather than rather than us. Um, but yeah, I guess it just kind of gives them a bit more confidence, doesn't it, to use you if you if you offer them that. What what we did, and I don't know if you'll find this useful or anyone listening to it, is we we because we're called Bomb Moran, we use BM for short, right? So we BM'd the re retained process, and that's partly to make it a better offering to to our clients, and partly because you know the guys I work with, Debbie, Nigel, myself, we all work together at Hayes a million years ago and that was all contingent recruitment so trying to educate myself and the team as to yeah. working on a retained model was harder and this was easier for us but we felt fairer for the clients we found a halfway house and very unimagined unimaginative I can't even say that word either um but we called it retained light and it's a halfway house between fully retained and contingent with an upfront fee and the balance on completion okay and then certain certain things that we can include from a fully retained head or search and things we can't if they want to go down the retained light route and mm. that actually has been a godsend for us we do quite a lot of business like i say probably 60 70 percent of our business is on a retained light model yeah and how, how did you how did you get to that to that to, the, to that product mix was that something that trm helped you with no or? no it it was uh, i i don't want to leave this on a horrible image for for you but it was a light bulb moment in the shower. Um, I had a eureka moment, Sam. <laughs> Take that as it's meant. And I just had a eureka moment. I thought, well, hold on, it doesn't have to be this or this. This is what we feel is fair. And actually, it came from years of trial and error of saying, well, actually, yeah. this is our retained model. We think this is the best solution. And someone's saying, ah, oh, but what about it? OK, we'll change this because that's fair. And we ended up with this really fair model where people tend to pay us 30% of the anticipated fee up, up front, the balance on completion. So whether completion is offer yeah. acceptance or start date, we, we talk about that. Um, and we've got measurables along the way, timescales, catch-up meetings, um, talk about selection process. And we do, if it's not fully retained, we don't do the, the whole psychometric testing piece, um, but we'll, we'll still talk about how we get to our shortlist. We ended up with this um, kind of bastardized product. And I think that's a technical term we're allowed to use which is a, a kind of a, a mash of contingent and retained that works for us because we know the client is committed to the process, but isn't as onerous on the client of saying, well, there's a short list of people. They might be awful, but there's a short list and I want another third of my money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. even putting in that caveat of saying, look, if you look at our short list and there's no one there you think with, with unearthed who's suitable for the job, we'll understand why. And I'll give you a retainer back because I back myself. 
and and, and that's quite di a different offering that if like you ever or other TRM members want to talk to me about or anyone who does happen to have lasted this long on our podcast um, wants to know about, you know, through the website, through LinkedIn, we're both contactable, right? Yeah, absolutely. No good. Have we put the world of recruitment to rights here? Have we Mate, done it? Well, Have we solved life's recruitment problems? <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. What's your big takeaway, Sam? Because mine's sort out diversity and inclusion processes and get on a sunbed, which I've never done in my life, or go out and enjoy <laughs> the sun. Yeah, for me, I, think I, I, I keep talking about, we're on this journey of automate, automation. So this quarter, end of, end of June, um, I'm really hoping to have like a really slick automated machine. It, it will never be completely slick and automated and work as we want, because otherwise it would be too easy. Life's not easy. And then I won't have a job at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Well, one thing I will mention, by the way, Sam, we've got our golf day where there's loads of people from the recruitment sector. I don't know if golf's your thing, but we're doing um complimentary golf day on the 7th of July. So if you're a golfer and uh, you want to come not, or, or for that matter anyone who's Rob, still listening he, to us he, yeah talk to me big big golfer i'll put you in touch with rob because he loves his golf lovely so. well we go a bit mental and, and a lot of my and I'm, I'm not sure if we're allowed to use that phrase or terminology so again we'll have to bleep that out but um a lot of my friends think i'm having a nervous breakdown when it gets close to my golf day because we we've got day glow pink sand in the bunkers we've got pink ice cream vans pink cocktail tents with flamingos doing pink cocktails so it's, it's certainly not a serious day but it's to raise money for breast cancer now hence the pink okay. but um yeah let us know Talk, get okay. rob to, to yeah, give me a shout yeah, we'll do. We'll do. and uh i've got to tell you pal i've thoroughly enjoyed yes, but i enjoy talking about recruitment but i've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about it mate absolutely likewise likewise and um i'll probably see you at the, is it the trm event in windsor are you going to that in july yes as well? Yeah, yeah. But that's not in the next two days. And I don't look beyond that. I've got this habit of just about looking at the end of my nose because there's so many plates spinning. But yeah, look forward to seeing you at the TRM retreat, which is always a, a, a great event, actually. Absolutely. I was going to say good, but it's great. Um, Sam, I've loved it, pal. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I can't let's, let's, let's see if anyone's still listening. There was a word I was yeah. going to throw in. I can't even remember what the blooming word was. But anyone who said <laughs> I've watched it, I was going to say, what was that word I said at the end? But can you remember that word? What was it? Shrews. Shrewsbury? Yeah. Shrewsmeister? <laughs> now, anyone who quotes that word to us, we know they've watched to the end. But I think it's something about when you sit down and someone's been sitting there and it's a warm seat. But on that weird bombshell, shall we end this one? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Take care, right, Sam. Then. Take it Be easy. Right. Cheers. Bye. Bye -bye.